Hi, I'm Juan Pons of the Alpha Mirrorless Show here on the TWIP Network, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by the Out of Chicago Conference, bringing together passionate photographers for amazing photo experiences. This is TWIP, episode 458, The Ugly Truth. In this episode, we discuss the recent attacks in Brussels. There's no denying the senseless violence, and our thoughts go out to the victims and their families. But from a photographic standpoint, we shine our light on a story highlighted in The Guardian. They question how much is too much reality when it comes to telling a story, as well as maintaining the dignity of those involved. We also dive into Google's latest move to sweeten its nectar for photographers. This time, the tech giant has reduced the price of its popular Nick collection of photo editing software to zero. And finally, we discuss Adobe and their latest move to cull valuable user feedback by introducing technology previews for Lightroom Mobile and Lightroom on the web. It's Monday, March 28th, 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here with me to discuss a few of the interesting stories that are affecting photographers this week. I'm joined by Mr. Jeffrey Totaro from Jeffrey Totaro Photography and Doug Kay from All About the Gear. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Hello, Frederick. Terrific. Good, good. Doug, you know... You need to stay away from the tanning salon, man. What is going? <laughs> what is going on? I'm doing the. You John... almost have as much melanin as I do. What's going? It's, on? Well, it's the it's the Donald Trump John Boehner look, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Just man. Throw, throw orange at it. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Who was that? Who was that actor that was famous for his tans? Remember that guy? Oh, um, um... I can't remember his name. It's right. On, I can see his face. I, whatever. All I right. Like yeah. We'll get it by the end of the show. It'll pop into our heads. Um, but Doug, what's going on, man? Are you back and forth to Cuba? Have you established residency there yet? What, just what's just about. Yeah. Did my fifth trip to Cuba. It was wow. terrific. Uh, and then uh, I had to decompress shooting um, humpbacks in Maui. And uh, a <laughs> couple of weeks I'm heading over to Paris. So it's life is hard. Terrific. If you look up the word tourist... You'll see Doug Kay's face right there, <laughs> taunting you. <laughs> you wish you could be me, don't you? <laughs> what, what, what better way to travel than to under the guise of reviewing cameras and taking pictures? There you go. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all exactly. an excuse. One big tax deduction. <laughs> well, what else is going on, Doug? Anything else? Uh, well, yeah, that's it. I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm. When I'm here, I'm teaching Photoshop, uh, doing some street photography workshops locally, uh, and I'm prepping for uh, Cuba. Uh, in 2017, probably go January and March. Nice. And you're taking a group down there? Or is it oh, just yeah. you? Yeah, no, it's a group of, we'll take 10 people down each time. Love it. Love it. And you come back with 10, right? Well, 
10 plus cigars and rum. <laughs> okay. 10 people. So and, uh, basically they're bringing back cigars with you, right? Well, so I, you need I, 10 I, people because you, uh, you need each person to bring a lot, an allotment of cigars. That's right. I carefully select people who are non-drinkers, non-smokers, and have, who have no friends. Uh-huh. There you go. Thanks, Jeffrey. Jeffrey put in the chat. George Hamilton. Yes, yes. Is the, is the uh, doppelganger for Doug K. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, Doug, welcome. Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you. All right. And Mr. Jeffrey Totaro, what's going on with you? A long time no talk? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Well, I managed to spend a, a whole week in Palm Beach and I didn't get anywhere near as tan as Doug. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did uh, about a month ago, I did my annual uh, workshop uh, at the Palm Beach Photographic Center. Uh, teaching architectural photography, interiors photography, and uh, it was great. So we always have a nice mix of people. Uh, it's a small class this year. We had six students, which is just perfect because it's unlike a lot of workshops. It's it's really, you know, we're on lo- we go to locations that are interior locations, so we can't bring bring in twenty five people into a restaurant to to take a few shots. So it's uh, it's good to keep a small group. So we had people from a couple people from the West Coast, East Coast. Uh, one woman came from uh, Cancun, Mexico. Uh, so we always manage to have one international person. So it's nice. to Love it. Love it. And, I'll uh, actually be passing through her neighborhood next week. Oh, terrific. Green. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was a fun, fun workshop. And otherwise, uh, year's been off to a pretty good start and uh, uh, just keeping busy with the usual stuff. So love it. Love it. Yeah. It's always good having you on the show because you, re- I, Jeffrey, I, I've said it before, but I think you represent the far. I don't know, left or right in terms of, <laughs> <laughs> depending on your leanings, right. uh, in terms of uh, gear, right? Because your sure. gear, you like use. Megatron Transformers <laughs> level gear and Doug's going out there. You can Doug is moving the opposite direction to right. the horse and buggy with with regular film. <laughs> with right, film, Doug? right? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's good to have that range on the show. For sure. It's, yeah, yeah. It's all and it's all just capturing light. It's the art of photography, mm-hmm. which is recording light. All right. Well, speaking of the art of photography, let's transition into the first story, which is about Google and the Nick collection of software. Last week. They surprised everyone and changed the price of it to wait for it zero. Hmm. <laughs> so, so this this collection was 150 bucks, and this software is really really good. This is not like okay, this is this cheap plugin and it does one thing and it's over. This is software that you will probably use if you're not already using Nick software. You will probably use this almost every day in your workflow. It's really high quality software, and the folks at Nick. Uh, when they even before they got acquired by Google, were craftsmen in creating these really really good tools. Doug K, when you when you saw this announcement, were you were you sad? Because knowing you, you probably already purchased it. But <laughs> <laughs> did you email for a refund or what? Would you? Well, and and I think if I read the announcement properly, anybody who bought it this year since the beginning of 2016 does get an automatic refund. It sounds like they're Perfect. just going to send mm-hmm. it back the money. Um, I purchased it. Uh, I mean, I purchased it back when it was, you know, Nick before it was Google. Um, so I've been using some of the stuff for a long time. I don't use it much recently. Uh, I've gotten away from almost any kind of post-production, but uh, I'm a big fan of SilverFX Pro. It's a marvelous piece of software. And uh, when I did just to tweak images much, it was probably my tool of choice. 50% of the time, you know, when I wanted when I wanted anything special, marvelous piece of software, but you asked, did I, was I sad? I, I'm in the camp of people worrying that this is the end of the line for the software. Mm-hmm. Google has yeah. such a bad record. I'll, I'll, I'll kick that back to you and uh, yeah. you discuss yeah, that. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to, going to dive into that. Jeffrey, what about yeah. you? You saw this, do you use this kind of plugin software in your workflow? 
Uh, not t- not um, consistently, but I, I did use uh, SilverFX Pro back when it was Nick. And uh, just just like Doug said, it's, it's it was tremendous. It was great for black and white conversions. Mm-hmm. And I looked into some of their, I can't remember the name of their one, their big, uh, the one color suite that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but the SilverFX Pro was really great. And I, the only reason I stopped using it wasn't even because Google got involved. It was because um, when I was using it, it was because uh, Phase One's Capture One Pro didn't have a, uh, a a black and white conversion tool within the raw software, sure. but now they do. So I stopped using uh, SilverFX Pro when I could then rather than do it on the on the TIFF side, I can now do it on the raw side. Um, and Capture One has very similar tools, uh, not as extensive in the filters. They have uh, just standard, you know, sepia split tone here and there mm-hmm. uh, for black and white. But um, but when I used Silver Effects, it was great. Um, everything about it was, you could add, that was the first time I saw the structure slider uh, being offered anywhere, and that that slider was really good. Now that's virtually everywhere. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so, so I think it's. So um, I think I think we unilaterally we agree that this is, or laterally, unanimously, unanimously. we agree <laughs> <laughs> unanimously we agree that this software is awesome. So, which Doug, you foreshadowed this, and I put this in the notes. I highlighted this. This worries me. Like Google, like you said, they don't have the best track record of longevity or sustained relationships, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, th- this may be a sign. A lot of people, and we've said it in the article. Or said in the article that we were looking at that this may be a sign that Google is about to end of life this software. And what does that mean, Doug? I mean, it, from from one standpoint, it's software. If it works, it's great. You know, it's not buggy right now, so you can keep chugging with it. On the other hand, that means no more investment in making the software better and updating it for future platforms, et cetera. What do you, what do you think about this? Does this mean stop using it? No, I no reason to stop using it. If it works, it works. You know, use the tool right up to the last minute until the batteries die. But right. uh, Google does have a track record of dropping things like a hot rock when it suits them. Mm-hmm. You know, Google, Google Plus is uh, just barely a, a shell of its former self. Yeah. Uh, Google Photos has had a few things happen there, but um, uh, you know, this the the speculation has always been that Google acquired Nick in order to get Snapseed. Uh, for the iPad and the iPhone. I think, I don't know, I think there's an Android version too. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Snapseed is a brilliant piece of software that I never use uh, just because I don't do <laughs> I any pro- use it all the time. I love I don't, it. I don't do any processing on, on an iPad, but, right. um, but I played with it enough and it's really a marvelous tool. Uh, but that was the speculation at the time that that's why they acquired that company. Uh, then of course they bundled all the, the suite together. They released it for whatever it was, one forty nine. Um, even then, though, people were speculating that it looked like it might not be something they keep long term, since it was the secondary reason that they apparently acquired the company. Yeah. Uh, now they seem to be going that direction too. So um, I don't know. They haven't made a, you know, Google doesn't make statements. They don't come out and say we're going to support this forever, because nothing's forever in the world of Google. Yeah, yeah, I know that, that. Which is good and bad, right? It's the internet. It's the nature of the internet is change, and if you don't like change, then don't use the internet, right? right. Jeffrey, exactly. what about you? And when you when you saw this, is it is does it worry you, or just like Doug's saying, keep playing until the Energizer batteries die? Well, on the one hand, if it's free, you can't complain if it disappears. But yeah, um, I I think t- two things. One is that I wonder if they are somehow trying to get this in the hands of more people because they want to get some feedback and see what features pe- people really like, and then they're going to roll out maybe a new, a whole new bundle of tools or something. Aren't the photo you the optimist? I love that optimism. <laughs> maybe I mean because you think of well, you know, one reason to make it free is that you want to get it out there in people's hands. 
Yeah. The other one is I think Tim Cook said something to the effect of if it's free, you're the product. So uh, meaning that that somehow they're going to try and monetize by having lots of eyes on screens. Yeah. Uh, one way or another. So and that's what Google what does. I mean, that's, yeah. that's nothing new for Google. That's yeah. hello, Gmail, calendar, everything they do is right. you are the product and yeah. they're monetizing you. Yeah. And, but, but on that glasses half full standpoint, I was looking at it and I was thinking, well, maybe they're looking, maybe the next step for Nick software is to continue rolling it into the web. Right. And and Google mm-hmm. Photos and putting that horsepower. I know they've done some of that already, but moving that horsepower wholeheartedly onto the web where they can control the experience more and update often. And like you said, monetize people and convert you into the project or product instead of having you off and on your own with your own bits that they True. don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I would read that terms of service uh, carefully. Who knows what they're mm-hmm. going to try and throw in there if you're going to be somehow uh, using the stuff on the web and maybe it's uh, open to their use as well. Who knows? Could be yeah. I, think, yeah. I think you have to do the math. I mean, how many people do you think use Lightroom or Photoshop? A few million? Um, yeah, I would say probably pi times 400. Yeah, okay. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> how many people by comparison use Gmail? How many people by comparison post photos online? Yeah. The, the market of people who A, use Lightroom, and B, the subset of that market that actually would use a plugin is so small mm-hmm. that it doesn't meet the threshold for Google to call it a market. Yeah. So I don't so it's see- it's an experiment. I mean, yeah, I don't see how they could possibly afford to continue it given the, the, the scale of the way they view the world. Mm-hmm. Those two words don't really go together in my head, Google and afford. You know, they can they can fund it until 2075 and not even feel it. You know, but you know, you're right. In the end, it's a business, and it's got to pay for itself at least and show some growth in order for it to be viable for them to keep it going. And it can't just be all kumbaya. Photographers love it. If it's not making money, then it's got to go. They they need they need a potential market of a billion users for everything they do. Right. No, I'm I'm serious. I'm serious. Of a billion? Would it a be? billion, yeah. If they don't have a potential market of a billion users, then they basically aren't interested in those businesses. Oh, geez. Well, I should just I should just shut Twip down now then. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to buy Twip anytime soon? I know, <laughs> yeah, because I'm barely scratching 700,000 here. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh-huh. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then that, that begs the question of, of cloud services. Again, I've talked about this on the show before, and... If they are, in fact, moving Nick, and I'm, I have no insider information, obviously. I'm just armchair quarterbacking again. But if they are moving Nick and that code base more and more onto the web, into Google Photos, to make that the one-stop destination for photographers, um, and you know they have that juicy lure of unlimited storage with a few little asterisks in there, if you, if you are, are lured by the siren song of their bug light for photographers and you go and you land in there, Doug, I would throw it to you first. Um, is it safe? Considering the track record, and Google is making this almost irresistible Darwinian <laughs> you know, nectar for photographers that we just can't help go get. You know, All this power in there and free storage and one stop and it's safe. It's Google on their servers. But once we get in there, is it is it a Roach Motel? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I I if it were me, and I don't have stuff. I have stuff stored in Google Photos because I have all that stuff from Google Plus from the day it began. But I don't count on it. Um, I think I think Instagram for sure, 
and maybe even Flickr, uh, you know, depending on what, Flickr is still owned by Yahoo, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, or I maybe think, it's the other way around now. Yeah. Right. Yahoo's <laughs> lost so much value. I, you know, I think, I think you got, you got a better chance of having your stuff stay there forever. Uh, I, I can't think of a, I can't think of a free cloud-based service that I would count on to have my photos stored in long-term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use all those services. I, I have my stuff displayed there. It's, you can look at it, but will it be there a year from now? I don't have any faith in that. Yeah. And you, and you don't really need to care because you have offline methods to back everything up. So if one of these services says, Hey, you get that letter from the CEO saying, Hey, it's been a great run, but we're shutting the doors in two months, get your images while you can. Yeah. You're like in your world, Doug, you're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Another one bites the dust and you keep you j- go jump on your plane to Cuba. Yeah, right? I'm not. I'm not going to bet my. I'm not going to bet my photo. Jeffrey would do the same thing. I'm not going to bet my photographic business on any of these services. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey, yeah. what what do you think? I mean, cloud services dangerous. Stay away or. Well, I think I think uh, two things uh, for me as a professional and uh, someone who's sitting right next to twenty terabytes on Drobos that'll never make it into the cloud, and I have a very robust backup system here on on Earth. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, it, it doesn't appeal to me uh, too much uh, in, in basic cloud services. Uh, however, I did uh, come to a realization that if I do want to start doing cloud service, I have to forget about the twenty terabytes sitting next to me, and maybe just from today forward start using a Backblaze or one of these other services to, to upload stuff just as it comes in. But on the other side of that coin is your, your consumer market uh, photographer. Because I've always worried about just the average person who likes to take pictures of their kids on their phone. Uh, any, any means for them to get their, their photos up into the cloud and store it safely because, you know, eventually they're going to drop their phone in their toilet mm-hmm. and, all you know, they're going to lose two years of their kid's life in photos because they probably don't have a backup strategy. So anything like that, that, that can provide a backup strategy for your average consumer who likes to take pictures, I think is great. Yeah. Will it be there a year or two or three from now? That's an excellent point. That's, that's, just, uh, yeah. that's so scary, though. I mean, that's so scary because yeah. you're talking about an entire generation or multiple generations even mm-hmm. of memories that could theoretically just go away, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, all these memories that are being taken by these millions of people over time, if that service one day just something happens or they end up life it, yeah, I'm sure right. they'll make an offboarding um, workflow for you to get your stuff off of there. But it just, it seems scary that all this stuff is just in the cloud, just hanging there. And mm-hmm. one day that clouds may evaporate. Yeah, it may completely go away. So it's, it's, it's hard to know. But I think, you know, Google's a pretty safe bet. There are other ones that have come and gone, but hopefully Google would, would be around uh, for a while. Cause that, like Doug was saying, there's, there, there are billions of users uh, pretty much just your average consumer with a, with a phone, camera yeah. phone. It's just right. so interesting that this came up because I just grabbed a handful, but um, <laughs> my, <that>? my son <laughs> is turning 40 in two months. Wow. And I, um, luckily he doesn't listen to the show, but I'm making a book for him, right? Oh. Of all sorts of photos. So I've got, I'm digging through all the shoe boxes in the closet, right? And going through and I'm scanning negatives, you know? So I've got, you know, I've got boxes and boxes of stuff here, you know, drugstore developed stuff from when he was a kid. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm going through all that now and, you know, I'm dealing with what happens to all these old photos. First of all, once mm-hmm. I'm gone, I don't really care, but <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interesting problem. Like you say, iPhone in the toilet, whatever it is, people want to be able to save these memories. The problem now is that people have too many photos. You and know? you know, the other piece of that is 
some people that are watching and listening to this, Doug, will say, yeah, okay, see, that's where that's where digital comes in. Because, Doug, you got to go meticulously through each one of those prints, put them on your scanner, scan it in, maybe clean up the dust spots if you feel like it, and then build the book. And finding your son in each one of them, people that are on the other side of the coin would say, hey, if all, if all those were in Google you could just search for that face and boom, you've got an album full of images where that face appears in them and you can order your book and get back with your life. So yeah. it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's just, it's good to be young <laughs> because if you're young enough, you don't have a 40 year old son <laughs> and, and every picture you ever took of your kids is already digital, right? There you go. You know, you I've go. got, I've actually got, I don't have more film images than I have digital images, but I have a lot of film images. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what are you going to do with those? Are they all scanned in? Are they just they're they're, they're uh, well? I, I sent a whole bunch to India to be scanned a couple of years ago, and yep. then I discovered more in the closet. <laughs> now, now I don't have time to send them to India, so I have to scan them myself. Free those images from their silver halide prisons, Doug. That's Come on, right. Right. get them out of there. I don't know. It, you know. It's I hate to be the curmudgeon, and I love new services. And I like trying stuff, uh, and but increasingly over time, as you start seeing, maybe it comes with you know just experience. You start seeing these patterns in the chaos. You know, you, like even with Google Plus, remember? So all that hubbub and and they did a conference, and you know all this stuff was happening. All bets were on Google Plus, and then not even what is it, a year later, it's. You know, there's there's napkins and paper plates on the ground, and everyone's across the <laughs> <Right>. street. <laughs> well, like, people put a lot of time into you know trying to trying to exploit their presence on Google Plus, and it's gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's for the most part gone. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't know. And Google Plus, I mean, they've revved. I went over there for the first time in a while. I was over there poking around today, and they've done a lot of changes in there. The UI has has changed. Things are sliding around and animating. It's it's beautifully designed. But it's beautifully designed, and no one's at the party. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. All right, guys, let's move on to story number two. Uh, story number two is, let me read this lead-in. This comes to us from The Guardian. So last week, another terror attack, a terrorist attack took place in Brussels, as we all know. Within hours of the attacks, images from the scene of the attacks began hitting the news, along with an image of a flight attendant. Her face bloodied, her top blown open, is exposing her bra and bare stomach. An opinion piece in The Guardian raises the question of whether the need to portray the horror of the attacks outweighs the dignity of the person. So I thought this was ideal. Bruce and I thought this was ideal to uh, to talk about on TWIP. Jeffrey, mm -hmm. a story like this, I mean, we're moving into like TWIP political controversial sort of area here. Um Obviously, you know, the, the terror attack in Brussels was horrible, um, but notwithstanding that, the the news and the news segment or the 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 reporting or the photojournalism part of this is where we're, we're going to tackle. So does mm -hmm. it make sense in order to get the horror of the story from that place and into the mind of the world that you show it show that that story as gory or as as controversially as you can? Does it matter or should the photographer instead buffer it and try to get the point across without without being you know r-rated maybe pg what do you think well i, I have to say well first of all it's, uh, you know obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to all those people who are mm -hmm. uh, involved in that terrible attack uh 
But I just say when I, I saw this photo when it first came out in the newspaper and it, it really grabbed my eye. I mean, it, 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 we, we all as photographers look at lots of photographs all day, but this really caught my eye and um, just for both women featured in the, in the, in the photo. Uh, it, it's, it's shocking. And it's uh, I mean, you think about uh, photojournalism as it, re, as it re, uh, relates to, uh, let's say, a traditional war with with soldiers. And, uh, you know, you think, well, the soldiers are there, they're, you know, that's just part of their job, but this is a civilian that was, uh, part of this attack. And I, I, I feel okay with it. I asked my girlfriend what she thought. She thought it was a little bit of a violation of her dignity. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think as a photojournalistic statement and, 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 you know, really getting, getting across to the viewer what happened and what it's like to be involved in something like that. I think, I think the photo stands can stand on its own just fine. And, um, Cause you know, looking at the photo, she's got, she's got one, one shoe blown off her foot and, uh, you know, she's just a complete shock. It looks like her hair is actually blown back from the power of the blast yeah. and just a complete shock. And what you probably can't tell is her, her ears are probably ringing from, from the, the sound of it. Uh, you know, but she, she really conveys, I think the, just the, the real shock and horror of an event like that. Yeah. And the woman on the phone next to her, you know, she's, she's on the phone when they look at her hand holding the phone, her hand's completely bloody and there's blood stained on her, on her sleeve. Uh, yeah. You know, she's uh, functioning a little more than the other woman, but still, it's like you know, it's, it's something really serious happened there. So, I yeah. think it's um, I, I I think it was fine to run this photo, and I think it, it did its job as as trying to convey the the story of what happened there. So, I think it's I think it's all right. Doug, Doug, what do you think? Was this image appropriate or inappropriate? Uh, I think I think Jeffrey's right. Uh, ultimately, I think it's appropriate, but I think the article in the Guardian. Um, as it says here, it raises the question of this. Uh, I have a number of friends who are photojournalists. You know, I've taken classes with Peter Turnley. He and his brother, David, have been all over the world for decades. Uh, David Burnett is a friend, another photojournalist who's been in war situations and knows personally this story that, that's in our show notes about um, Nick Utt and the, the, the girl who was uh, covered in napalm and had horrible burns in Vietnam. Um, I think what it, 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 it's a good question. I think there has to be judgment in these questions. Yeah. There's the, if those are looking at the video, is this on the video now that we're mm-hmm. seeing? Yep. Okay. Yep. So this is the girl who was burned by napalm and this photo was taken by a Nick and, uh, Nick and, uh, David Burnett stayed in touch with this woman, uh, for, for t- until the presence. And, um, it's quite an impressive story more than we have time to go in here, but, uh, Nick is, uh, uh, Nick and David are very responsible for that. But what what it raises for me is the fact that even in a lot of the professional journalism world, uh, we've lost or are losing the role of the editor, the photo editor. And the photo editor is, you know, the photographer's job is to get this picture. The photo editor's job is to decide whether to publish it or not. Now, this is an AP photo, so AP does have uh, editors, although when AP puts the photo out, they're still not making the ultimate decision whether to publish or not. Everybody who's an AP subscriber makes that decision for themselves. Um, And that's a role that in many places is gone because of whatever reason. Um, and we see that in, you know, consumer provided photography to CNN, whatever it is. So, uh, what concerns me is that, is that going forward, there won't be good judgment applied. And certainly we see on the internet, a lot of bad judgment, uh, goes out there. So 
what happens now is that everything gets published, everything, regardless of how um, offensive or invasive it may be. That's what bothers me. Yeah. I mean, but, but I, I understand that, but at the same time, how, how do you, if you're going to publish something or only certain things then there, it needs to be the gatekeepers in the way. And then in, in the old days, that was editors, right? That would say yeah. this image tells the story the best. They were the gatekeepers or the filters. Now we, we live in a filter free world. Yeah. So but that, it, that was a, that was, and should be a very valuable role because you know, it, it used to be that because we subscribed to Life Magazine or Look Magazine or we had three television channels. I really am showing my age this week. Aren't I? <laughs> I was going to say Life? What was that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, there was very limited visual bandwidth. There, we didn't get a lot of stuff. And so we depended on editor to tell us the story and to tell us the to give us the right view of the story because we weren't going to be able to see everything. Um, now the problem is that the consumer has to make up their mind with the flood of information. And sometimes the volume is something that distorts the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Jeffrey. Well, another point to consider too, from the sort of editor and photographer's point of view is photos like this one are going to get out there regardless of, of AP photographers and editors, because people with their, with their phones can be taking photos like this. So in a sense, uh, you know, the photographers almost have to step up their game to get, to get, to get compelling photos because people are going to see shocking, uh, photos that, you know, really aren't edited and maybe so, plenty of them shouldn't be published. Uh, I, I didn't really tune into to Twitter or Instagram right after the attack, but I'm sure there were lots of horrific photos there as well. Uh, so I think that the, the, the professional, uh, press probably feels a little bit of pressure to, to be able to put out something that that's going to capture people's attention in that way that the, that your average, uh, person walking down the street with their iPhone is getting as well. Yeah. Yeah. So th that, which is, that's a race to the bottom, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a, there, there, there are a lot more similar to what Doug was saying. There, there used to be many fewer content providers, uh, whether TV or magazines. And now if you think of, of, of anybody with a camera phone, uh, able to provi provide content, uh, cause you see it all the time on the news, you know, courtesy of Twitter and courtesy of Instagram, mm -hmm. um, that, 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 you know, those images do make it into the media. So there's so much more content out there. I think that the, the professional media needs to almost compete with that in a sense to, to be able to get the eyeballs on, on their story. Uh, the professional media, of course, uh, photojournalists are always going to be able to get that real embedded in depth story that your person just walking by and snapping one lucky shot isn't going to be able to bring to the table. But in a case like this, where there's, you know, it's, it's an instantaneous attack and it's, uh, there's not, um, you know, there's only limited time to capture these kind of images, then they are, you know, competing with other, with everybody else with a camera. Yeah, it almost relies, we almost rely on the, the, the quote, real journalists to weave the flood of imagery into a narrative for us. Right. Right. So in that, in effect becomes the editor, right, Doug? So, you know, we've got this flood of images coming in from the attacks and they're from all different angles. And now, okay, here's a narrative in words or, you know, on CNN or BBC or whomever that's saying, okay, this is what happened and these, this many people were injured and, you know, the the authorities are doing this to bring the suspects to justice, et cetera, et cetera. But, but around that, you have a cloud of images that, you know, some crowdsource and some professionally shot that then tell that narrative. What's missing is the ability to pick and choose which of those images you're going to look at or which ones get bubbled to the top. So you can't really put that genie back in the bubble or in the, in the bottle. Can you do Well, no. And, and I, I'm not saying that we have to have professional journalists, uh, professional photojournalists, and that, that those photos are the only ones that are valuable. 
you know, I think there are a lot of situations where we're going to have a non-professional get the iconic shot of something that happens simply by the, the, the numbers. There'll yeah. be people, you know, there'll be people in the right place at the right time to get the picture and it might be blurry. You know, we used to talk about, you know, what's, what's broadcast quality. And I said, you know, gee, if, if you have the only recording of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit scratchy. You know, it's, you yeah. got the only recording and that's what matters. Yeah. So uh, it's not the photojournalist that I'm worried about. And I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't say I worry. It's just that uh, there is a very valuable role in photo editing. And that role is disappearing. What that means is that we're depending now on the volume of tweets and retweets to basically tell us what's the right image or set of images that reflect or tell a story. And I'm not sure I trust that as the right thing because of, of all the reasons that people might retweet a photo. Well, okay. Well, let's contrast that, that, that whole thing with current events, right? So we've got the presidential elections that are coming up and all the controversy around the rallies at the Donald Trump, you know, and the, the kicking out um, protesters for whatever reasons, right? So looking at it through a photographer's lens or an editorial lens, if, if the images that are happening at those events were somehow filtered, then we may not get the true story, you know, whether it's right or left leaning. Right. So the fact that it is crowdsourced means that we can hopefully get a semblance of truth or, or make our own determination as to what the truth is by looking at the story in its entirety versus through one straw from one or one or a couple of people. Does that make sense? Or is it, am I off base? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an issue. But I think, you know, let's look at the um, the American presidential race right now. I mean, at the time we're recording this, we just had a weekend of of Republican candidates, you know, putting up pictures of their various wives, uh, you mm -hmm. know, either looking good or looking bad. And, you know, those are not the images uh, upon which we should be electing the president of the United States. I, I right. don't think anybody's going to disagree with me. Yeah. Um, and... Yet those are the ones that are over the top in terms of what's trending online. So, uh, you know, hi history will help us here. I don't think that pictures of Heidi Cruz and whatever her name is, Trump, are going to be the images that we look back at 20 years from now. But uh, uh, it sure is not it's not presenting our country very well, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's a little embarrassing. It is a little embarrassing. I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy. We live in crazy times. But like I said, the genie's out of the bottle in a lot of ways. So, you know, the, the days of the three television stations, ABC, NBC and CBS, right. are, <laughs> well, it's gone. You know, now we have hundreds of and thousands of different channels for us to pick from at any given time. Mm -hmm. Doug, you check you checking your hair to see if it's still there. It just make, make sure it's still gray. There you go. <laughs> I have a feeling your hair was that color when you were in high school. Uh, this, I don't know. This, this hair has been like this since I was 35. Wow. Huh. Wow. And I won't yeah. tell you how long ago that was, but you can do the I'm math. I'm not asking. Oh, if you have a 40-year-old son, mm -hmm. then that's, uh, that was quite a while ago. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Adobe introducing technology previews and search in Lightroom on the web.
This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with FreshBooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, since its introduction a couple of years ago, Adobe has continued to improve and enhance Lightroom Mobile and Lightroom on the web. Recently, the company announced technology previews, a series of features that will give users the ability to try out new features before they're officially available. Hmm, beta. So mm -hmm. <laughs> technology preview or beta, is it the same thing? <laughs> are, we, are we talking about the same thing here or is a technology preview a fully baked service that you're, they're letting us try out before it makes it mainstream? Jeffrey, have you, have you seen this? Is this a good idea for Adobe? Yeah, I was wondering what, what, they're, what they're, uh, the thinking is behind this. I was wondering if maybe they're just trying to get features out faster. So they yeah. want to get it, get in, it's very similar to beta. Yeah, get it out there. Uh, but I'm wondering then, like, who are they competing against if it's if they're just trying to rush features to the market and make sure that people get them in their hands? So who who are they really competing at? Like, what's the pressure maybe from, you know, from Nick and their Google? Subscription so. revenue. They need to justify that subscription revenue. Maybe so. so yeah, maybe, maybe we're that's doing it. Stuff. Yeah, just keep people, keep people, you know, constantly buzzing about what's new in Lightroom, perhaps. Uh -huh. uh, so, but I think, you know, they've done a lot for, uh, for, for the mobile uh, photo editing. I don't, I, I don't do any mobile photo editing except maybe when I need to jam something on my uh, laptop in a hotel room real quick or something. But I, I work in a, a very controlled environment here <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. with a color calibrated system and color calibrated room, really. Um, yeah. So... Uh, for me, don't the, get me started on that color calibration fallacy, man. <laughs> I, 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 I heard the last week's show. Yeah, yeah. 
I should have had you on that show. Well, it's it's a little, yeah, it is. It's a little bit, yeah, you go through all these steps and then it's still like, yeah, I guess that looks good. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so sad. Um, so, but, but now, yeah, so now you, if you're trying to, but I, I think uh, Adobe and Lightroom has brought a lot to the table in regard to being able to edit things uh, mobily, get, get stuff up, syncing between devices. That, that's incredible. I mean, that's great. Think about, um, uh, again, sort of the, the the most common user is probably someone who has just enough uh, knowledge of photography to even know that Lightroom is around and say, oh, great, I can you know, take my vacation pictures. I can be editing them in the hotel room on vacation. And then when I get home, they're already, uh, you know, they're already in my system at home. And it's just, you know, all that syncing back and forth, I think is great. Um, yeah. Again, yeah, as for a professional workflow, I'm not sure how good or bad it is. I haven't, I haven't tried it, but uh, I do think that that's great. Um, and these technology previews, I guess, really, I think it's just about getting getting new tools in people's hands, keeping the keeping people happy and and thinking about and thinking about Lightroom. Um, yeah, yeah, I can agree. Yeah, so we'll see we'll see what they bring. I think I think it's a double it's 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 twofold, right? So it's getting technology in people's hands, i.e., beta, mm-hmm. or you could call it a technology preview. Um, but I think it's also it's to justify that subscription revenue, but it's also use use your your existing user base to to make these features bulletproof, right? right. And yeah. and get their feedback, and then fix things, and then roll it out to the general paying and subscribing user base. At that point, Doug, Doug, what about you? I mean, have you have you used Lightroom on the web at all? Uh, I was a beta tester for Lightroom Mobile. Did and you just say beta tester? Beta. Well, it's the wine company. <laughs> beta tester. I was a beta. I was a beta 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 tester for Lightroom beta Mobile, tester. and uh, I was very impressed with both the product at that stage and the way Adobe handled the process. They're very serious about going to mobile and going to the web. Um, so and I'm a big fan of it. I I'm also I I'm also a user, uh, but I. <laughs> I use Lightroom Mobile a lot because it's by far the simplest way to manage my portfolio on my phone. If I want to show people, oh, show me some of your photos. Well, I've always got my big iPhone, that big whatever it is, six plus S, not six plus. I've got yeah. the big big ass phone, and I'm always showing images to people. And being able to synchronize them with Lightroom is by far the easiest way to do it because you just put them in a collection and they show up on your phone. It's just that easy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love that feature. I don't use the web stuff, but I've played with it. And because I knew we were talking about it uh, this evening, I decided to check it out again. Um, so anyway, I'm a big fan of Lightroom Mobile. I think they do really well. I think Adobe's serious about it. Unlike Google with the Nick suite, who may or may not support it down the road, I think Adobe's <laughs> going to stick with mobile, but you know, come back in a year, we'll see. However, yeah. this thing about the previews is weird. Yeah, I want to hear, hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, you know, First of all, you can, what do you want to call it? Public beta? Great. What does that mean? You know, they went through a totally private beta like we did with everything else in Lightroom Mobile. Technology previews, technology previews, it smacks of a pre-driven automobile. Yeah. Well, I mean, what does it, what does it mean? Oh, I get the technology preview. Wait a minute. So does everybody else right. on the web, right? I, yeah. I, Certified pre-owned technology yeah, features. Su- suddenly I don't feel so special anymore. Um, yeah. So I doubt I mean, they're not putting them out before they're ready. Uh, does that mean they're putting them out full of bugs? I don't know. What, is it, what does it mean? They don't, they don't make that clear. So that's what I'm suspicious of. But, you know, it's a marketing thing. More power to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. So, okay, to both of you guys, in, in a future world, let's fast forward. We're, we're in March of 20, the end of March of 2016. Let's say March of, you know, 2017. 
what does the landscape look like? Is Adobe still cranking along with their with the Creative Cloud? Has Google folded? You know, they finally got the hint and closed Google Plus down. And then, you know, we've got Google Photos with Nick incorporated into it. What what does it look like? And where would you put your images if you had a crystal ball and you could look a year forward from right now? Go uh, ahead, Jeffrey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, all good questions, Frederick. Uh, I, I think, well, hopefully uh, I rely on, on Adobe Photoshop quite a lot. So uh, the, the sort of granddaddy of all this stuff. So I, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that'll still be around probably for, for quite some time. You know, not everybody needs that kind of horsepower, but yeah. it, it's nice to know it's there. I think they'll continue to support that, but yes, it, like you know, Google and Nick and all, you know, all these other photo services, I think are, who knows? I mean, that, that could, that could come and go very, very quickly. Um, so, but I, I definitely hope any of this technology could change. I mean, just even I was discussing something today with somebody about uh, his friend wanted to get a new Mac Pro. I got mine two years ago, and uh, but I'm I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just tell him to get an iMac, you know. But all the all these the things and the, the the criteria for making any choice about cameras or computers, all this changes so quickly that uh, you know where you put your photos and and what your priorities are about your photos. Because for me, it's all about having them here with me. And having access to them, I can access them remotely, but not through the web. Uh, and to be able to rely, you know, keep the tools. I've got my toolkit down to just two things. It's, it's, it's uh, Phase One's Capture One Pro, and um, and Photoshop. That's pretty much the two the two software suites I rely on. Not to mention, you know, minor other things. But so, uh, fortunately, Capture One is still is still growing and, and gaining in popularity. So that, that's that's good for me, and, and all the other users. And uh, but I, I, yeah, I it's think- interesting. It, it's like with technology, even with our cameras and computers and software, anything you pay for these days, like you said, Jeffrey, things are moving at such a rapid clip forward. We're it's it's essentially a subscription anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. you buy your phone, whether you buy into Apple's subscription program or not, you're probably going to update it either next year or the year after that. So mm-hmm. you're a subscriber, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of when you're going to pay your subscription fees. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like none, none of it lasts forever because you, know, you figure, oh, I've got my Photoshop. I'll keep using that forever. Well, no, you won't. Not, you know, we eventually have to upgrade your computer and it won't run on that mm-hmm. computer. So yeah. Yeah, we do yeah. rely on all these guys to, to keep updating and, and, and keep us able to be able, being able to produce our work. So. Doug K, jump in your time machine, man. What is, yeah. what is the you know aside from having a few more gray hairs a year from now? I'll probably have, I'll probably have <laughs> fewer can... since all the hairs are gray. A year from now, we'll have fewer of them. <laughs> You're gonna have to dye some black uh, so they can turn gray. Yeah. Uh, um, what what does the well, world look like? You know, I just made a note here. Life is a subscription, and it will expire. <laughs> oh, that is nihilist. Oh. <laughs> I've been reading. I've been, you know, you just caught me in a month where I've been reading a lot of time travel sci-fi books, oh. and so, so, so I'm into this whole like, you know, next year, last year stuff. Yeah. Know, I, but I was just thinking about it. There are there, uh, electronically, there are three things we do with our images that we have to deal with. One is we need a way to back them up. And I have a completely non-cloud proprietary solution for doing that that I did myself. The second is I've got my sales and marketing, you know, my portfolio. I have my online portfolio site where people can see my best stuff and maybe purchase a print if they want to. And the third is my sharing, my my social networking stuff. And that's mm-hmm. for me, I'm it's Facebook, Instagram, 500px, and what am I leaving out? Uh, Flickr. 
Flickr. Yeah. Those are the four that I use these days. In fact, it's so boring. When I post an image, I post the exact same image to all four places and I'm done. Uh, but those are the three mm, scenarios, I guess, where we use online or electronically transmitted stuff. Uh, to me, these things like Flickr, uh, Instagram, so forth, they're social networks. They can come and go. I really don't care because it's not about long-term storage for me. It's about interacting with friends, family, and so forth. So, um, you know, and when it comes to backup, like Jeffrey, I don't have Drobos. I got another solution here, but it's... It's my own. It works. I've got remote backups. I'm happy with it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. take control of it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Take control again. You you said a year from now, you yeah. know, some social networks, photography networks will come and go. I really don't care. I'll I'll play with some. I'll drop some. I'll add some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's the fun part of all this stuff is that it all keeps changing over and over again. So. It, it it seems like it's an inconvenience that, okay, I have to upgrade this, I have to upgrade that, this new camera came, now I have to, I just got this 5K iMac, now I got to go get another one, you know, all this stuff. Like, we bought ours at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's part of the fun. It's expensive and it's inconvenient, but if you rewind back from today, just to put a, Doug, get in your time machine, right? Yeah. So if you rewind, you get in your time machine and you go back three years from now, if you took yourself and put yourself three, in your former self three years from now, knowing what you know now, it would probably be almost un, you know, unbearable, right? Because you've got these awesome phones that do all this crazy stuff, these apps that do things that you take for granted every day and watching video and you've got Apple TVs and streaming HBO and all this, all this other stuff that, just, that wasn't here just 18 months ago. Yeah. And now we have it, right? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's pretty, yeah. And you know, I wasn't using Instagram until I found a way to post to it from my desktop machine. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not wasn't about to take my images that are carefully processed or you know done really well and somehow move them to my mobile phone so I could then upload them to Instagram. That wasn't worth it. But, Wait a minute, how, how'd you figure that out? Wait, how does that work? <laughs> I, I, I found a way. I'll put it in the show notes. How's put it in the notes, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> if you if you want to know how to post to Instagram from your desktop computer, it's in the show notes for this episode of Twip. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to know that. So yeah, get that in there. Okay. <laughs> There's a new photography conference on the scene, and it's called Out of Chicago, and it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience, so you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. All right, guys, let's move on. Um, yeah, so I guess we're, geez, this, this show goes so fast. The hour is almost over. 
Um, let's do our picks of the week. This is a segment where you guys can recommend something to the TWIP army that should hopefully be photography related. Jeffrey, you mm. haven't been on in the longest. So what's your pick of the week? All right. Well, I, uh, as, as you mentioned at the top of the show, I, I do like my gear. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I use, um, uh, some, uh, a lot of pro photo, uh, strobe lighting for my work and we're always having to work with color temperature. So the strobe is obviously daylight balanced. So, we, but we often have to gel it. And, uh, up until recently, uh, the way to gel it was to you know, take a gel and tape it over the head of the light. It was kind of mm-hmm. inconvenient and that, you know, the tape would get lazy and fall off, but, um, pro photo. And it was funny that they came out with this cause I was actually just about to start designing something and trying to 3d print it myself. And then they came out with it. So I'll start with the, the basic part. This is a device that they came out with uh, a little while ago, which is this one's actually a, so this device goes over the top of the strobe head. And they came out recently with these grids that um, can snap in to this part of the device. But what I'm really excited about are in this fancy little wallet here uh, are these uh, pre-cut gels, which you can take out. And they're all they're all labeled really well. Thanks for putting that up, Frederick. So they're all labeled. They come, uh, this one happens to be a full CTO. It tells you the, um, the amount of light you're going to lose. But again, I don't have the full system yet. It just isn't available yet, but it'll be a... a, a a piece of plastic like this. And then there's another um, uh, piece that goes on to hold the gel in place, but it's basically just going to hold the gel nice and tight to the light. Uh, there won't be a lot of light leaks and everything's pre-cut and labeled, which is nice. Uh, and so I got in this kit, the uh, this is pure color correction. They have a couple that are just more for fun color effects, but uh, so this has, um, you know, quarter eighth plus green, quarter plus green, um, half CTB, full CTB, eighth CTOs. So you can buy all these, hopefully they'll last long. I thought they were going to be rigid plastic, but they're, they're just regular gel material, sure. but, uh, but I'm really looking forward to it because we spend a silly amount of time just, you know, putting the gels on, putting the gels out and retaping them because they fall off and, uh, chasing down leaks. Cause the light, if it's, if it's loose, the light bounces off the back of the gel and comes out sort of uncorrected or escapes out. Anyway, that's cool. Real excited about it. Um, it does work only for these new pro photo lights and it's meant to only be used on their, there are two new, uh, what they call um, uh, off-camera flash uh, systems. They're B1s and D1s, which are both battery-powered systems. And they say only use them on those systems because the modeling lights are uh, LED. So, Because otherwise, if something this close to an incandescent modeling light will melt. <laughs> it will become permanently and, part yeah, of that light. Along right? with the plastic holder. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to use it on my D1s, which are the, the incandescent, because I don't really use modeling lights. So anyway, um, just something nice and cool from ProPhoto. They're always uh, coming up with some really helpful tools. So check it out. Very, very cool. And that's like 100 bucks, right? Uh, yeah, the, the, the kit that'll include the holder and a base set of gels um, is $100. And then this kit, which is a more extensive uh, color correction, I think was $60, something like that, and comes with the little okay. wallet thing. And then there's one for color effects, just crazier colors, you know, darker blues and reds and things. We're going to do, a, we're gonna do a, speci- a, a TWIP show and focus it on color. Yeah. And, and oh, have right. you on. <laughs> That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because some of the comments that came along um, from last week's show, uh, it was called, we titled the show Chasing Color. Mm-hmm. And someone wrote a comment saying, because I was saying, you know, you pro photo versus alien bees, you know, Einstein's, which are they making better photons Are pro photo right. making better <laughs> photons than alien bees. And someone wrote in and, you know, rightly so. I think the topic shifted to just persistence and consistency of color 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. over the life of the flash. And some the, some of the cheaper flashes can move very widely. More expensive flashes will give you the same time day in, day out, or the same color day in, day out. But someone wrote in and said, inside the flash bulb itself, there are gases that mix together that create that color. And my response mm-hmm. was, well, who's governing the gases inside? Right, right. <laughs> you know, you can keep going. You keep going back and back and back. So, yeah, we have to do a show specifically on, on yeah. color and have you on. And, oh, that'd and be fun. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks for that, Jeffrey. Sure. All right, Doug K., what's your pick of the week, man? Uh, yeah, mine's a very different one from what we usually do. We talked about plugins from, for Lightroom and just by accident, my pick of the week is one called LR Mogrify, LR for Lightroom, LR Mogrify 2. Um, like a lot of the site, it's very unremarkable. It it is, it is the, particularly for black and white images, they often look better if they have a little black border around them. So I had this problem. How do I put a border around a frame using just Lightroom that's only, I don't know, five pixels wide or maybe 2% of the image, whatever way I want to judge the size of it. And for the life of me, I could not figure out a way to put a little black border around the image. So I went to Photoshop. How do I do it in Photoshop? Even in Photoshop, I couldn't come up with an automated way to put a border around that was a standard size, regardless of the size of the image. Let's say I always wanted one that was, again, one and a half percent or something like that. So uh, I looked and looked and looked, and I found this piece of donationware, which means you give it, give them any amount of money and you get a free license. Not a free license, you get a license. And LR Mogrify does all sorts of very cool things. I just happen to use it for putting black borders around my images, mostly the black and white ones. But you can do all sorts of stuff with it. It's a little bit geeky because it's, you know, from the open source community. Um, you know what that means, but, but I recommend it to people who want to do at least the black and white borders or any other sort of batch modifications of their image when they export them from Lightroom. I love it. And what is that? It's free, right? Donationware. So you get a, you get a, uh, restricted license of some sort. I forget what it does restriction wise, but then if you donate something, almost anything, uh, you get an unlocked version. Yeah, well, I mean, I would I would definitely encourage TWIP listeners to donate because yeah. that's how you keep people in business and enthusiastic about creating these cool tools that may have otherwise gone unmade. So, yeah. Yeah, Doug, cool. I, I don't know if you noticed from that. I noticed your, uh, when you posted the Photographer's Toolbox, they also make something called Infuse. Have you played yeah. with that? Infuse is great. Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of an HDR kind of tool uh, right. where you take several... Uh, exposures across a range and it'll blend them together and pretty well so that's cool i haven't tried this um mography i'll give that a look yeah definitely cool excellent two excellent picks all right i have two picks this week myself Mm -hmm. gentlemen um as you may or may not know today as we record this it is the 28th of march and we launched a brand new addition to the twip network or we're in the middle of launching it because we had to get through all the itunes approvals and all that but it's a show it's it's a first of its kind for the twip network we've never done a show that is targeted at a specific brand um but because of all the fervor around some of these brands we're going to start doing that probably more and more over this year and next year and this first one is called Alpha Mirrorless. And Doug, guess what it's about? You have any idea? Uh, I'm going to guess it's something about Alpha Mirrorless cameras. Sony Alpha. <laughs> yeah, Sony Alpha. Exactly. Exactly. Am I, am I close? Sony am I there. close? <laughs> You're close. Yeah. We had to leave Sony off of there for, you know, uh, I don't know why. But um, 
But yeah, it's it's hosted by Juan Pons and Andy Williams, who are both Sony dudes, and they know more about Sony than probably a lot of people. Um, and Doug, you should be a guest on that show. I think that'd be great to yeah. have you on there and talk about your Sony I, I've got an idea. I'm going to talk to Juan and Andy about it right away. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, definitely check it out. It, you can find it what, by the time this episode of twip goes live that show will be added to the front page of this week in photo or you can just get to it quickly by going to alpha mirrorless.com my second pick is another thing that we're releasing this week it's called the twip school and you can find that at school.thisweekinphoto.com bunch of learning resources and tutorials and courses all kinds of cool stuff some free some paid that you can dive in and take advantage of we are uh, I'm really proud of this school. It looks great when you see it. it it's, it's been a lot of effort on the back end getting this thing built and bulletproof, and it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to serve as kind of a way for our hosts and our co-hosts and guests of the show to take it up, to kick it up a notch and do some tutorials on things that don't warrant us talking about on the show itself. So we can do long form multi-hour trainings in this TWIP school where on the show or even in a webinar would be impractical to do so. So definitely check that out and uh, let us know what you think. Mm, sounds great. Yeah, it's fun. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff coming out. Yeah. Keeping yourself busy over there. Oh, you have no <laughs> idea. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's that whole life thing too. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that. Uh, I know. I know. Um, all right, guys. We're at the end of the show. We talked about what you guys are up to. You have any other things you want to talk about uh, before we close the show off, Jeffrey? No, that's uh, that's about it. I would say for me, uh, I, I did add Instagram probably four or five months ago, so I'm just getting started on that. So that's a lot of fun. You can check me out at Jeffrey Totaro on there, and uh, cool. in addition, same on on Twitter. All right, there you go. And thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, always always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Doug K. What about you? What's well, uh, can always, anything else you want to throw in there? Always go to DougK.com. You can learn more than you ever wanted to know about me, and in particular, if you're interested in going to Cuba. Uh, late this year, uh, particularly early next year, uh, you can sign up there and uh, learn more about it. Perfect. Awesome. Excellent. All right, guys. Um, we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks, for their support. And you can also, of course, visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and also YouTube. And if you're looking at us on YouTube, please comment, like, and subscribe. And also be sure to check out Alpha Mirrorless. We're really proud of that show as well as our other shows, and also the school, school.thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>